There we go. So depending on where you are in life, depending on kind of um, your background and also just where you stand currently, it's really going to determine how you answer that question and really how you perceive that question. How, how you perceive the question is what, what my best is. Um, for instance, if you are not a believer, um, or at least not a believer the way the New Testament would describe, then that really kind of dictates how you, how you think about that question. What is my best? Um, if you're super career-driven, then you hear that question and you think, even if you're sitting here today in an assembly where we've been praising God, you, you kind of hear that question thinking like, what is my best in the workplace? Um, if you, um, I don't know, if you are really into school or maybe you're not even in school anymore, but you're just an intellectual, then you're thinking of that question being, am I expanding my knowledge to the best that I can? So... I understand that when I say, what is your best, that not all of us are thinking about that the same way. I do want you to think about that question and think about the answer to that question with the framework of what is your best as in your, in your life, not in one specific thing, but in your life, what is your best? Follow up question, are you truly striving towards your full potential? Um, because that's what your best should be is your full potential. Are you striving towards that? So as we think about that spiritually, um, maybe it's, am I doing the best I can with the knowledge that I have? So an intellectual thinks of that differently than when you're thinking of that from a spiritual framework. Um, maybe you're thinking, am I a specific thing? Am I serving the best I can? Am I studying the best I can? And so however you think about that, that's fine. Uh, it doesn't really matter as we get into the lesson, but it's going to matter towards the end because we'll have some application uh, questions towards the end. So first what I want to do is I want to just try to define what our best is. Um, so how, just think about this, how would you define your best? Well, I think that there's a few different ways. Uh, the first way is you could say, well, hey, it doesn't get any better than perfection. So for me, spiritually, and in my life as a Christian, perfection is as good as it gets. Well, Matthew 5, 48 says, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. 1 Peter 1, and specifically verse 15, but 4 through 16 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as you called you as holy, you also must be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you should be holy, for I am holy. Talking about, you know, God said that. Uh, you must be holy, for I am holy. So maybe that's one of the things that you think of. You think, okay, so perfection is my best, and that's what God expects. Well, the problem with that is, is we know a passage like Romans 3 exists. Uh, we know that we are all sinners. We all have sinned. And we know that there's passages like Josh has been going through 1 John. And a lot of 1 John talks about the fact that we shouldn't be walking in sin. But there is this thing there that, well, we all have sinned and we all do sin. That doesn't necessarily mean that we are um, apart from the light. It just means we need to walk in light, although there might be times that uh, we still do falter. Um, and we all just know from experiences and from talking with each other, maybe talking to people that are wiser than us, that, that really perfection is unattainable for me as I stand currently because of what's already happened. So that kind of uh, hurts or that kind of harms that idea of the, our best or my best being perfection. So maybe an easier way or more um, uh, easier pill for me to swallow, uh, it goes down a little easier if I think, okay, so maybe instead of perfection, maybe it's more of like just 
um, imitating God. I'll just say that, like being like Christ. That's, that's the best I can do. Well, Ephesians 5.1 does say, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And um, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 11.1 that we should imitate him just as he imitates Christ. So that, that's fair to say that. Jesus is our forerunner. Um, he's the author and finisher of our faith. So maybe we can say he is the best that we can aspire to be. Well, I think those things are true. And I think that all of that is, is factual. And I, I wanted just to kind of spew out several verses that came to mind when I started thinking about um, when I was younger, like what helped direct me so that I could like define just who I need to be or what I need to, to, to aspire to be, what my goal needs to be. Those are a lot of passages that I thought of um, from my youth. You know, those are the ones. And then, then I started thinking that, you know, there were a lot of passages when I was younger that um, it was really hard for me to think, how can I ever do that? Or how can I ever be that? So I remember, like, teachers would kind of basically make a point that, well, it's about trying your best in that effort. Like, for instance, in the area of love, am I perfect in the area? Am I doing my best? I mean... Not the way Christ did. I'm, I'm not imitating Christ to that fullest. Well, it's, so it's do your best to be that. And that now as I've gotten a little older, that makes me feel a, a little uneasy because there's this idea of like, is it just the pursuit and the effort or is it the result? Is it what I actually do or don't do? And I hope that makes sense. Maybe some of you feel the same way where like when it was when I was younger, it was easier for me to think of like it's cut and dry. It's this or that. And I get a little older and I, I appreciate the people who made it seem like, well, it's about the effort and it's about, you know, trying to do those things and, and trying to do your best. And I'm not <laughs> saying I'm old now, but as I've gotten even a little bit older and I'm out of college, I'm not a teenager, none of that kind of stuff. And um, I'm I, I think I have it, it's easier for me to step back and think, OK, so going forward in life. What does my mentality need to be as far as what I aspire to be and what my pursuit is? And I think that hopefully in this lesson you'll maybe come to the same conclusion that I have, which is that it is a combination of both. It's the combination of the result and the end product, but it is also factoring in the pursuit and the effort that is, that is given. Um, so, but how does that compare with your definition of best? Maybe you expect more of yourself than others do. Maybe you expect less than, than others do. Maybe you feel like inside you expect more, but because you fall short, you kind of dial it back and you're like, well, but it's okay. Or maybe you're the type where even when people think that you're doing so great and you feel as though you know, I'm doing uh, my best, there's something within you that's like, but it's not good enough. Um, you might be all over the place with that. What I want to do is I do want to start with 1 Corinthians. So let's go over to 1 Corinthians 9. And I'm going to reread the, that passage. And then I want to just talk about, a, uh, I guess, a couple of aspects of this. So as we open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll begin uh, where Daniel read, which is in verse 24. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. 
this passage speaks to me because I get it. Like, I'm a competitive person, and I understand, I don't understand everything about all sports, but if you give me, like, an example that is sports-related, then I'm like, I'm with you. Like, I, I'm there. So when it says, run, uh, so that you may obtain it, I'm thinking, so I need to run with the pursuit of winning. But also, there's the first part of it which says that only one receives the prize, so I need to beat you. So that's my goal. So my best is not just getting to the end, but my best is getting there faster than you. That's what it makes me think of. And I don't think that's really Paul's point here, is that, you know, the first one to heaven, you know, gets it and, you know, last one's a rotten egg kind of thing, you know. I don't think that's, that's the point. I do think that the point is run with the intent and the purpose to win the prize. So, but, but going through this passage and thinking about that in light of what my best is, made me think of another um, analogy, another example that is uncomfortable for you, but probably speaks a little easier and, and is more palatable for a couple of you. So we have the athlete side, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But the other side, I think, is there's an artist. What is, an athlete's pursuit is to win. What is the artist's pursuit? Um, well, I don't know because I'm not an artist. In any way, like I'm not an artist. Like I, I'm not saying I don't have any sort of like imagination at all, but... Um, when it comes to put it on paper or put it on canvas, keep it away from me. It's, it's not going to come out all right. Um, the best thing I ever did as far as artwork was this last Halloween on a pumpkin. And it was like the best work of art that I've ever created. And it was um, the Ghostbusters uh, like symbol. And I was like, that's beautiful you know, uh, for me. And you know what? That's kind of how an artist has to approach his artwork is like, I'm going to put my best effort into this. And really, I mean, and maybe Robin or Kirby or someone else can correct me about this later. But for me, if I, if I put myself in, in, the, in the mind um, of someone that is maybe, maybe they're composing uh, some music or something like that, you know, that might not sound good to someone else. But they gave their full heart into it. They, they, they poured out their mind and their heart into that thing. So for them, that's their best, right? It is beautiful to some and it's horrendous to others. Or, if, or a, a painter or a sculptor, you know, I mean, I, I might not get it, but you, you let your, but the artists let their, their um, heart and their passions kind of move through them to create whatever they created. And for them, that's their best. So that, that line of thinking and that, that, um, that approach is very different than that of an athlete. It's very different than that of 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 to me. And it's hard for me to think that way, but I, I do believe that when we're considering our best, we need to take both. We need to think about it from both standpoints. Because if I just take it from it's the one who wins and it's the one who like just dominates, that's, that's their best, then I'm missing the point of, um, of running with a purpose to win. I'm only focused on beating other people to the finish line. But if I take it just as the artist and just as like, oh, it's just about, you know, putting your heart into it and that's it, then maybe I get to the point where I kind of sweep under the rug, you know, the problems that are there, the things that truly are, um, I guess, holding me back from, from winning the prize, so to speak. Um, so I think, I think those two things are helpful. What I do want to do is I want you to go ahead and turn to Luke 12. We're going to go through three parables, Luke 12, uh, Luke 16, and Luke 19. And what I hope that we can learn through these parables is we can kind of expand and expound on 
um, what our best is. And then a little bit later on, we'll put this into, uh, into practice and we'll uh, make some applications. So first, going over to Luke chapter 12. So keep in mind, that so far, you know, when, when we're defining our best, there's two lines of thinking. Maybe the best thing for us to do or most appropriate thing is to combine them. So I think Luke 12, let's go down to verse 35. So we're not going to read the whole parable here. We're going to read the first part and then we're going to read um, the dialogue between Peter, uh, the other apostles, and, and Jesus. So Jesus says to the people that are around him, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come from home, come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. So, so it starts out and it's like, okay, there's a wedding feast. The master's at the wedding. Uh, You as servants need to be ready. You need to have your lamps burning. And then he goes through and it's like, blessed are those who the master finds awake and everything like that. So then as we go down, verse 41, Peter says, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant whom the master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And in an hour, he does not know. And will cut him into pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what was deserved, uh, what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much is given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Um, there's several things in here that I don't fully comprehend, so I'm not even going to touch those. And I'm not even really going to touch on Jesus' main point, I don't think. There's just one aspect I want to bring up, and that is that the thing that separates the punishment is the knowledge of the master's will. He says the ones who knew his will and didn't get ready and they turned around and they're like, he's delayed. You know, he, he's taking a sweet time. And I don't know why the reaction is, so let me go beat the male and female servants. But I can understand the whole like, so let me just kind of live as if I'm the master of this house. The one who does that, he's going to get a severe beating. The one who doesn't know the will of the master and like, does maybe the same thing or at least isn't ready, well, he just gets a light beating. So um, you have both people get beatings, which is not good. The thing that separates them is one knew the will of the master and the other one didn't. So when it comes to us doing our best to the Lord, the only lesson I want to draw from this is that our knowledge <coughs> does matter. Our knowledge does matter and can even dictate what our best is. Um, we've been talking of this even this morning in Proverbs, and one of the things that we understand, if I want to live as a wise person, my knowledge and understanding will guide me that way. It will dictate that. But what if my knowledge and understanding isn't fully there? Well, my wisdom isn't fully there. So therefore, my life doesn't look the same as maybe it should or it could. I think I even maybe we, I even talked to some of, some of you about this the other day, but... Um, I really don't remember where we were or anything like that. But um, there is a passage in the New Testament where it talks about how Abraham lived a righteous life pre-law, right? Well, how is that possible? Did his life look the same? My guess is it didn't. 
My guess is before he knew what God wanted him to do, his life looked different than it did once God revealed his will for him. But how can a person still be righteous beforehand? I think the answer is, as far as what he did know, he did what was right. Now, that's not to excuse anyone here or anyone else that we know from gaining more knowledge. That's just to say that our best is determined by our level of knowledge and understanding. So the point for, for me and for you is, so increase in knowledge. And when you're talking to other people, whether they're brethren or whether they're non-believers or whoever it is, we need to be patient, be very patient with each other because our knowledge is going to be different. The level of knowledge and level of understanding is different from person to person. So I'll use Josh as an example because, well, because why not? Because, um, you know, um, let's say that Josh is living his life a certain way where I can just see that like his approach to, um, let, let's say he was like super goal oriented at work and everything like that. Um, I don't know what kind of job he might have, but it's just like he's all about, you know, like gaining more money and his way of thinking like that's a good thing because he's able to do so much with that right he's just like i want more money i want more money and it's really not out of like a selfish greed it's because as far as what he can tell that's what he ought to be doing but then i come to him and say josh you know i don't think you're seeing the world and really seeing your work the way you ought to because what ephesians tells us is that let him who stole still no longer but rather let him work so he's able to give to others. I mean, paraphrase, obviously. So you need to approach this differently. Yes, it's good to attain money so that you can give. And so if his understanding wasn't there, he's like, oh, I see it differently now. So his best, his best is different now than it was because his knowledge has increased and changed. Does that make sense? Uh, and so I think that when we deal with each other, that's what we need to, that's what we need, how we need to approach each other and trying to help each other attain our best we need to help each other increase in knowledge the second parable is luke 16 so luke 16 we'll read verses 8 through 13 again this is not the whole parable this is the most difficult one for me so again i'm not going to touch this one as far as uh all the details of it but 8 through 13 is really what i want to focus on this is in the middle of the parable (laughs) of uh the dishonest or Maybe I'll say it in a very nice way. The shrewd manager. Um, so he's managing the master's accounts. And then the master, he says that he has, he basically is not doing a good job. So he's going to fire him. And so the guy sits there and he is super, super concerned. Because if you go back um, and you look at, let's see, where is it? Um, in verse three, we'll say, the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master has taken the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. So then he goes through and he goes to these people who have accounts with his master. And he's like, hey, take your bill that was 100 and just put 80 on it. OK, take your bill, put 50 on it, take your bill. So basically he's helping them because they're like, whoa, I don't owe as much as I used to. So then go to verse eight. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little thing is also dishonest in much. So real quick, just to kind of as a caveat that's not part of this lesson, that verse alone, I think, 
means that you shouldn't be like this dishonest person and be dishonest, right? Because if you're dishonest in a little thing, you're dishonest in a great thing. So be, be honest, be righteous, um, be faithful in every little thing so that you're faithful in many things and in, in all things. Anyway, we'll keep reading verse 11. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in, what, in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The point I want to draw from this is the manager sits back and he says, if, this, if my master takes away this job from me, I have nothing else to do. I'm not strong enough to dig. And I'm ashamed to beg. I'm too proud, okay? And I just can't do that. So what am I going to do? Well, let me set myself up for success in the future by helping these other people out. Terrible thing. I mean, very smart as in some ways. But it's very dishonest and he's not going to be... He's not going to be rewarded necessarily the way he would like. Well, actually, he's going to be rewarded exactly how he would like. We would not be rewarded the way we would like if we were to do that. But the point I want to make is that sometimes our abilities are what hold us back from our achieving our best, the best that we would like. I mean, this guy looked around. He said, I can't do anything. I'm useless. I mean, like I, I'm weak. I'm feeble. Um, but I'm proud. Uh, so I'm going to do whatever I can with what I have. In some ways, I think that we need to be like that guy. Like, we need to see our, what we do have and see what our abilities are. And we need to use those and capitalize on those. Not capitalize on them for our own gain, but we need to see how can I be my best for God? Well, I can't do this and I can't do that. Well, maybe the solution is I work on being able to do those things. But in the meantime, what I really need to do is say, what can I do? Let me just do that. Let me focus on that. Let me do the best I can in those areas while I try to improve in these other areas. I, I remember when I was growing up, and um, I guess it was mainly like in high school and everything, um, not everyone where I went to church was, uh, as far as you know, my, the group of guys that I hung out with, not everyone was comfortable getting up and, and speaking before a group. Not everyone was comfortable getting up and even saying a prayer. But the one thing that they, could, that they, they would do with those guys is it would be like, Okay, we'll start this out. Just get comfortable with getting up and reading because you don't have to think for yourself at all. Just get up there and just read these words on, in, on this page, okay? And that's where a lot of people started. That was their best as far as getting up and what they were going to do publicly. That was the best they could do. And now for other people, they were super comfortable getting up and leading a song or at least starting a song. That's, what we, that's all we did when we were younger is just say the first two words and let everyone else take over. Um, but they would never wanted to speak, not even read or anything. So their best was that. But what it would have been smart to do is, hey, why don't you work on these other things as well? So for us, we're much more mature now where we understand it's not just what you do publicly. It's what you do in your life. So maybe your best is just really like serving behind the scenes. Maybe your best is, you know, sending a text or giving a call or uh, sending a note or something like that. Uh, maybe some of you, your best is like, I need someone else to tell me what to do. And I'll go do it. I'm not really good at sitting back and thinking, like, what all can I do for other people? But if you help me know what I can do, then I'm all about it. Um, but that doesn't mean I need to just completely neglect growing in those other areas. Um, so whether it's in serving, whether it's in giving, whether it's in teaching, uh, whether it's, you know, even in some moral things, whatever it might be. Like, we need to improve on the areas where we can, but we really need to do with this shrewd 
manager did, and that's just focus on what you can do and do your best in that. That can be considered your best. The last one is Luke 19. Luke chapter 19. And we'll pick up in verse 15. Luke 19, beginning in verse 15. This is after um, the, uh, the, the king, or the, I don't think he's a, I guess I'll say master, I think he's a kingdom. Uh, I think he's a king. Uh, he gives these ten servants one mina each. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had, what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank, and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And he said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So what was this one servant's shortcoming? Um, it wasn't knowledge because he knew that the master, the, the king, reaped where he did not sow. And, you know, so it wasn't knowledge. It wasn't seemingly an ability. Um, we don't have any reason to think. I mean, because all the, all the, um, the, the master, all, all the king said is, you could have just gone and put it in the bank. I would have at least had a little bit of interest when I came back. So it wasn't an ability. It wasn't knowledge. It, it was truly just about effort. He didn't try. Now, he didn't try for fear, it says, but still, he didn't try. He didn't have any effort. He didn't pour his heart in anything. He didn't, he didn't put his mind to what he could do. He just said, um, he gave me this one thing. I don't want to lose it, and so I'll just hide it. And I put it in a handkerchief, and here's your mina. This is what you gave me. I'm out, right? That's not how this works with God. Like, he has given us so much. So if we just say, you gave me this, now here, I'm giving right back to you. There you go. At least I didn't lose it, right? At least I didn't disappoint you. Well, the effort just isn't there. There's no heart in that. So just like he had the knowledge, just like he had the abilities, if he had only had the heart for it, if he only had the effort, then he would have been blessed. He would have been pleasing to, to the master. So the three things that I see is that we need to focus on if we're going to do our best is, Knowledge, ability, and effort. Those are the three things that really determine what my best is. Now, there's one more that we'll get to in a second. The, the, the other one is going to be that overall, like, God is the one that determines my best. God gives me that knowledge. God gives me the abilities. And it's only through God that I can kind of muster that effort to actually accomplish anything for him. So what I want to do with the rest of our time is go over to, uh, to John. We'll go over to John, and we talked about this, I don't know how long ago it was. It wasn't that long ago. It's in John 15. We were going through um, in our Sunday class, and 
I really appreciated this uh, the class we had on John 15 because it, it brought up brought up some things I'd never really thought about. I just want to read a few verses from this verse, basically one through six. I am the true vine. This is Jesus saying this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. We're all at different stages um, of knowledge, of skills. We're all at different stages of life, which determines some of that as well. The one thing that we need to really think about, and that I know I need to think about as far as my life as a Christian and doing the best I can is, am I bearing fruit? Am I, am I pleasing to the vine dresser? Am I showing him that I abide in you? I abide in the vine, which is Jesus. And you know what? Here is the fruit. Um, if I don't have any fruit, then what Jesus says is that the vine dresser comes and it'll clip the, those branches off that bear no fruit. And they're gathered together. They wither away even more. They, they, weren't, they weren't useful at all, but then they just wither away because they don't even have that sustenance from the vine that they had at one point. And then they're, they're just thrown away and burned. So they're not just cast aside. They kind of still have a purpose. They're just thrown into a fire though, Right. Um, but those that do bear fruit, it says that the vine dresser prunes so that they can bear more fruit. So as I'm talking, I do, I do want you to kind of be thinking. So I don't want you to not listen, but I, I want you to kind of be thinking as I say these next things. Where you are now is not where you've been, and it's hopefully not where you will be as far as your life as a Christian, your abilities and uh, what you're accomplishing. But where you are now might not necessarily be the same place that God intended you to be. Maybe he wants more for you. Um, and I think that we all kind of, at least I do, I have this thing within me where I'm thinking that's always the case. And I don't know if that's healthy or unhealthy. Um, that's probably not always good. But I always kind of have a feeling like I'm not all God. I'm not, I'm not doing all that God would want me to do. And, and maybe that's, like I said, maybe that's healthy, but I need to kind of get over that sometimes. But where I am now is not where I will be. But it's also not where I have been. So therefore, the best that I can achieve is different now. For some people, the best they can do is truly show up to, to worship services, to show up to classes. Um, some people don't even have that, that ability right now. I mean, we're missing one today because of that. Like, she is limited because of her ability. It's not, it's not effort. It's not heart. It's not knowledge. And, it, and my guess is she feels a little bit weighed down by that because she has that knowledge that she would like to be here, but she can't. Some of us, the best we can do is participate in, in the worship service because as far as we know, that's, that's really all we have, the only way we can find to apply and to give to help the group. Some people, they know that there's a lot more. 
and they have the ability. So they're having conversations with people. I mean, they're, they're talking to people constantly about, about Christ and about his word. Um, they're talking constantly about other people and seeing how they can serve them. You know, how can I help you Monday through Friday kind of thing, Monday through Saturday? So what are we to do with the fact that we have varying levels of, of what our best is? Like I said earlier, I really think that patience is, is the key in all this. We need to have patience with each other, but we need, we need to have kind of a, an honesty with each other. Like, Richard needs to feel comfortable enough with me to tell me, Blake, I think that you could do this, and I'd, and I'd like to see you do that. Now, that also comes with the fact that I respect Richard, and he can say, he can say anything like that. And even though he might not want to, he can say that to me, and, and I would take that and be like, all right, I will do my best. But then I would turn back to him and say, but hold me accountable to that, please. Because I, I don't want to do my best in your sight. I want you to help me do my best in the sight of God. And that needs to be our attitude here. So wherever we are, we need to think that way. Um, again, it's not a judgmental way. It's not live up to my definition of best. It's let me help you achieve your best in the sight of God. So that means that there also comes some frustrations. Because I might see that someone else is... Um, I feel like, oh, they're, they're pulling, pulling us down, right? Well, no, they're, they're not. Remember in 1 Corinthians, uh, and really there's other passages as well, there's this idea of that the church is a body. Uh, and if everything were an ear, where would the seeing be? If everything was a pinky toe, then, well, you would think that everything else is just worthless. Like the body's not really doing anything, everything's a pinky toe. Um, but you know what? You need that. I don't know exactly what for. I haven't looked that up, but I'm sure you need that. I would miss it if it wasn't there because I know it could be there. Um, if everything was all seeing or if everything was all hands, there's a lot of doing, but there's not a lot of listening. There's not a lot of speaking. There's not a lot of observing. It's just doing and doing. So we need each other in this. So you shouldn't look down on someone else based on knowledge. You help them grow in knowledge. You shouldn't look down on them because of their strengths or weaknesses. Help them, help them to utilize their strengths and to grow in their weaknesses. But don't be surprised when someone comes to you and they have some things that you can work on as well. Um, so that's what we are to be. We are to be a body that is striving to do our best. And our best is not determined by each other. Our best is determined by God. And God is the vine dresser. God is the one that we should lean on. So to, to wrap up, there's two things that I think that, that we really need, not just here, but wherever we go. We need this in our lives, and that's dependence on God and discipline. I know that's what I need. If I'm going to be my best, I need to depend on God. He will strengthen me. He will give me all that I need to be my best. But the second part is on me. I need to be disciplined. I need to have a drive. I need to put my heart into it. I need to be disciplined to grow in knowledge. I need to be disciplined to have conversations with other people so they can help me see what my best is. And I'm not so good about that. Sometimes I've erred more on the, I'm just depending on God. And so like he's not making me do something. So therefore I'm not doing a lot, but I'm depending on God. And there's been other times I've been on the other side where it's like, it's all about the discipline. And I'm not depending on God. So the fruit that I have really probably isn't the fruit that God would want me to have. Kirby shared an article with me. I know Kirby loves to get shout outs. She gets them so much. Um, she shared an article with me that I, I, I'm pretty sure I read at least once. Maybe I read a couple times. And there were, there were a lot of things in that that, that um, were helpful for this lesson. Most of all on the discipline side of it. 
But some of the things in that article um, I'll just share with you. One of the things that she said was, and, and this is all from the mindset of like as a Christian, okay? This isn't just in life in general, but as a Christian, you're meant to do hard and holy things because they are the things that get you to the best thing. That means it's, the discipline is not easy. That's the whole idea of discipline is that it is hard, but it gets you to the best thing. It gets you to the end result you would like to see. You're made and meant to do hard and holy things because there's no other way to get to the happy and holy things or happy and holy place, you might say. Doing the hard and holy things gets you to the heavenly place is basically what that's saying. I think Ephesians 2 is very clear that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're intended for this. We're, we're made for this, but it doesn't mean it's easy. And one more that, that I thought would be helpful is that life is pain and you get to choose. And that doesn't sound like a good thing, right? Like that is, I'm, not, I'm not happy about that. I'm not, I don't feel blessed that I get to choose the pain that I have. But it really is a blessing because we can either choose the, the pain of discipline and we can choose that. It's not something that we force on us. We can choose the pain of discipline where we go through that ourselves, but we allow God and others to even kind of discipline us in some ways. But we choose that. We can choose the pain of discipline or we can choose the pain of disappointment. So God provides all that's needed for us. He provides all that's needed and, and it's just our choice and what we do with it. So as we think from here on, just think about those first initial questions. What is your best and are truly striving, truly striving to reach your full potential as a Christian? Again, your past and your present, um, all those things, they can kind of dictate which lens and, and how, really your ears, how you hear that and the lens in which you see what your best is. But I would just encourage all of us that we take stock of where we are and where God would want us to be. And not that we just need to think it's all about perfection, which although that is the pursuit and that is, that is the goal, excuse me, the pursuit of that, I think is what we've seen, is also equally important. So whether you see your life, you know, you, and you approach your life as an athlete or an artist, I think that we all have a little room to grow. And the one thing I would say is that if there is anyone that needs help in that, um, the conversation can be just A to B. And the conversation can be just between you and another person. If you think you're falling short, you need to talk to somebody. Like that, that it truly is why we're here. You need to start with having an honest conversation with God. Uh, have a conversation with God like David did. Just pouring your heart to him. Um, but then it, it will help to talk with others and to lean on others. And lean on someone that you trust. Lean on someone that you feel like, not that they have it all together, because none of us do, but they can at least help you and guide you. I don't know if there's anything that anyone here needs as far as um, confessing or repenting or anything like that. But in a second, as Josh leads us in uh, the final song, you have that opportunity to make that known to the group. But I would encourage you that even if you don't feel comfortable doing that afterwards, to pull someone aside. Or in the coming days, when you're assessing your life and what your best is and how you're living for the Lord, um, if you need help with that, reach out to someone else.